This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. The title of our lesson this morning is When God Speaks, Something Happens. And so, uh, and we see this in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Last Sunday we talked about before creation and uh, what happened before creation. Uh, Creation, uh, what is recorded in Genesis chapter 1 is not actually the beginning of everything. It's simply the beginning of creation. Uh, But God existed long before then. God is eternal. And uh, we talked about that uh, to great uh, length last Sunday morning in our in our lesson, God is eternal. Jesus Christ, who is a part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit um, make up the Godhead. And the Godhead is eternal. It existed long before what we read in Genesis chapter 1. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege that you have given to us today to gather here, to gather here in this assembly. A time, Lord, to take your precious word and open its pages. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide the lesson today. God, help me as I teach that I may teach truth. Lord, please keep me from teaching error today. And I pray, God, that we may learn something, something, God, that will cause us to, to grow in you, to learn more about you, about your creative hand your power, your majesty. Be our teacher today, Lord. I pray, God, that as these students look on either here in this auditorium or by live stream today, that they'll not see Walt Coles, but they'll see Christ. And I pray, Lord, that the Word of God will speak to each of our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' wonderful, precious name. Amen. There are some people that say that the President of the United States is the most powerful leader in the world, but there are other people that would, especially some former presidents, that would uh, object to that statement. And um, give you an illustration of what I mean by that. When uh, Richard Nixon was President of the United States, he signed a, uh, a uh, presidential, what do you call those things? Um, Biden has signed it as, as Biden has signed a stack of them like that. God help us. But oh, oh excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. What do they call executive order? Uh, Nixon signed an executive order that some of the old buildings that were on the mall would be torn down. They were an eyesore. They'd been there since the World War One era, and so he signed an executive order that they would be removed. Well, months passed before anything ever happened. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, he said, uh, uh, the President of the United States is supposed to be the most powerful person in the world, but that's not always the case. Sometimes the President will sign a, an order and it doesn't get carried out. I said that to say this, that what God says happens. When he speaks, something takes place, something happens. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 33 and verse 9, we're reminded of this. It says, for he spoke, God, for God spoke, 
and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And so when we come to the first chapter of the book of Genesis, we find that God spoke. And so the first point that you have there in your notes this morning is simply God creates. And uh, so I want to read uh, these verses as we go along. We're going we're to try to cover the entire first chapter of the Bible this morning. So I, I mean, did I say Psalm? I meant Genesis. Uh, Genesis. We're in the book of Genesis, folks. If I say Psalm, I did say Psalm because I quoted this verse from Psalm, didn't I? Yes. Folks, when you get my age, <laughs> you'll do some of that yourself. Right, Tommy? Yeah, amen. All right. <laughs> I don't have to be my age. <laughs> okay. Is that true, David? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I got it. I got gotcha. you. All right. Verses 1 and 2. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so we, we, we find out here in, in these two verses that God created. That's, that's without question. Uh, I know that there are those that question that, but uh, uh, we'll let God deal with them, okay? And so the first thing we see here is the beginning of God's creation. The beginning of God's creation. There are three books in the Bible that open with the word beginning. Uh, we find it here in this one, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. And then also in John, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 1. All three of these books begin with the word beginning. For example, in uh, John 1, 1, we find here the announcement of the eternal Son of God in creation. Now why did we have to go all the way to the New Testament to find that out? We really didn't, but here in, in, the, in the New Testament, John announces that Jesus Christ had a definite part in the act of creation. It says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And we know what the Word's referring to here. If you read on down a little bit further in that first chapter, down to verse uh, 14, it says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so it becomes very clear that it's speaking of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word, and several times in the Bible He's called the Word, especially in this first chapter of the Gospel of John, He's called the Word. Over and over again, He's called, he's called the Word. And so, in the beginning was the Word. And this takes us back into the eternity past when Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, existed as the eternal Son of God. Now, here, John wasn't suggesting here that Jesus Christ had a beginning. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who existed before all things became. Uh, and because he made all things, we read that in John chapter 1 verse 3, uh, Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17, and Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 12. That Jesus made all things. So therefore, John's beginning predates Genesis 1-1 and announced Jesus' participation in the beginning of creation. Jesus was there. As a matter of fact, we're going to see uh, shortly that the whole Godhead, all three persons of the Godhead, were present in creation. 
And that brings us to number two here, the announcement of the eternal plan of salvation shortly after creation. That's found in Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. The gospel of Mark opens like this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so there's another beginning announced here. The message of the gospel didn't start with the ministry of John the Baptist, as, as Mark is referring to here in this chapter, uh, refers to here in this chapter, because the good news of God's grace was announced in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. So you have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 1. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3, a couple pages in my Bible, probably the same in yours. And in verse 15, we have the very first announcement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to Satan here. And between thy seed and her seed. Now who is her seed? Seed of the woman, none other than Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say, and it shall, and it shall bruise thy heel, and thou shalt bruise it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first proclamation of the gospel, and this is exactly what happened on the cross. Uh, on the cross that we're going to be speaking of on, on uh, uh, Friday night at the, at the uh, Good Friday service on Friday night, the cross of Christ. Um, Satan's head was bruised. It's Christ. But Christ's heel was bruised. And uh, it was bruised for you and me that we might receive Jesus Christ as Savior, that our sins might be borne by him on the cross. And so this is the beginning of the proclamation of the plan of salvation. And it's shortly, it was proclaimed shortly after uh, the, the creation. And then that brings us to point three, the announcement of the temporal creation by the eternal God. And that brings us back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, which says, in the beginning, God created. And so this was the beginning of creation, not the beginning of God. It doesn't say in the beginning God. We often, we often stop with that sometimes and making reference to the fact that God was in the beginning, but God never had a beginning. And so this is not the beginning of God, but this is the beginning of God's creation. Uh, it's awfully hard for us to fathom this. Uh, we don't fully understand. We can't understand that because, as I mentioned last week, we're confined by time and space. God isn't. And the only way we can think now is in the realm of time and space. And so when we talk about an eternal God, a God without beginning, we can't comprehend that. We can only accept it by faith, and that's what God expects us to do, just to accept it by faith. In the beginning, God created. But before he created, he existed. And, and uh, you say, when, when did he start to exist? I don't know. I don't know. I can't fathom that. If you figure that out, let me know. Okay? Um, we just don't know. But you know, the, the, the greater thing, the, the, the thing that's more staggering to my thinking is that there's going to come a time 
No, there's not going to come a time when we're not going to exist. We're not eternal. We didn't, we didn't exist in eternal past except in the mind of God. But literally, we didn't exist until God born us into this world. But you know the truth is, we're never going to stop existing. I can't believe, I can't understand that either. And uh, so if you can explain that to me, I, I, would, I would accept your explanation or I would do my best to accept your, your explanation. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it refers to the dateless past when God brought the universe into existence out of nothing. In, uh, in Psalm 33 and verse 6, I, I, I'm not going to read that. Let's move on. Anyway, the announcement of the temporal creation by the eternal God. That brings us to point B, the majesty of God's creation. 32 times in this chapter, chapter 1 of Genesis, this creative God is called Elohim. That's an interesting name. That's an interesting word. And I'll tell you why. It's a Hebrew word that emphasizes God's majesty and God's power. His covenant name Jehovah appears a little later in chapter 2 and in verse 4. But Elohim, a name of God, it's a plural noun. That's consistently used in, in connection with singular verbs and, and uh, adjectives. You have to understand the Hebrew language to understand this. The Hebrew language has a little bit different grammatical things than what we have here in our English language. We have singular and plural in the English language. The Hebrew language has singular, dual, and plural. In other words, Singular would refer to one. Dual refers to two. And plural refers to three or more. Well, the word Elohim is in the plural person, which, which refers to three or more. So when you read the name Elohim in the Bible, we're talking about three or more. Uh, now, what does that mean? Well, some people call this the uh, plural of majesty, that it emphasizes the majesty of God. And I believe that. But I think there's something more significant to that than, than just the fact that God is majestic. I think it indicates that God is three. Not three gods, but God is three. And, and it's referring to the Godhead, what we call the Godhead, which consists of three persons, and that's the Trinity. The three persons of the Trinity. So when you read the word God in the book of Genesis, you're reading the Hebrew word Elohim, and it's actually referring to all three of them. God says a little bit later, the Godhead says a little bit later, and I'm going to refer to this, I'll talk about this in a minute, let us make God. Excuse me. Let us make man in our image. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Let us make man in our image. And again, that's, uh, that's the plural form there. More than two. Okay, so Elohim reveals to his power 
by creating everything by merely speaking the word. You know, matter is not eternal. The stuff that these pews are made out of is not eternal. This is, I think this is wood. It's set to particle stuff, you know. It's kind of dressed up a little bit. Doesn't look bad. It looks good, as a matter of fact. I don't know why I said that. Because my point is that this stuff, whatever it's made out of, not eternal. It was created. And so material matter is not eternal. It began when God spoke everything into existence. And you can find this in Ephesians 3.9, Colossians 1.16. Turn to Colossians, the book of Colossians, real quick. The book of Colossians chapter 1 and, uh, and verse, uh, verse 16. I should have had my Bible marked so I could have got to it quicker because we got quite a bit of ground to cover here. But Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, look, look what it says. For by him were all things created uh, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things created. Uh, all things were created by him and for him. God created all things. And so, <clears throat> so this is not eternal. Uh, this suit I have is going to rot away one day if, uh, if I last long enough for it to do that. Or somebody else after me wears it. it the threads will pull out after a while. The buttons will drop off of it. And uh, the seat will wear out. The seat will wear out pretty quickly while I'm wearing it because that's where I spend most of my time. <laughs> but um, but nothing is eternal except God. And then he gives us eternal life. And uh, we'll be able to live that out. All right. Uh, by the way, I think I left in your handout notes uh, the, uh, the, the footnote on the gap theory. Uh, I'm not going to read that to you. Let, I'll let you read that. If you have a Schofield Bible, uh, the, and by the way, there was a time when, in my early ministry, when I taught the gap theory, and then God wised me up a little bit. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> but uh, C.I. Schofield, who was the author of Schofield Notes in your Schofield Reference Bible, holds to that view, held to that view, and uh, and it became rather popular, rather accepted. Uh, but it's rejected now. There's no such thing as a gap in God's time of creation. So you can read that. But that brings us to Roman numeral number two. First of all, <clears throat> God creates. Secondly, God forms. Verses 3 through 13. Let's just read these verses real quick. Uh, beginning with... Well, well, we'll read verses uh, 3 through 5, first of all. God said, let there be lights, and, let there, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. But verses 3 through 13 uh, are the first three days of creation. And it's kind of interesting here, uh, because um, there's a pattern to God's creative activity. And, uh, and here it is. Um, 
First, he formed, he formed the earth, he formed creation out of nothing, and then he filled. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. But he, but he formed. And there are three spheres of activity that he formed. He formed the heavens, he formed the land masses, and he formed the water. And then he filled them with the appropriate creatures. That's the last three days of creation. And so there's a pattern to God's plan here, God's plan of creation. So we just read the verses for day one. So day one is light. He created light. Now this immediately brings up something interesting. Um, how could there be light when the light bearers, the luminaries, aren't created until the fourth day of creation? When we get to verse uh, 14, verses 14 through 19, we find that he creates the, uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars. But here it says he created light. But did he create light? Um, <clears throat> anyway, light appears. And, uh, and since we aren't told that this light came from any of the luminaries that God created, um, it probably came from God himself, who is the light. Uh, go back to John chapter 1 again. John chapter 1. There we go. John chapter 1, look at verse 5. What's it say? And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Well, that's interesting. Uh, in him is life, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then it said in verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't, couldn't understand what was taking place. And so anyway, uh, it probably came from God himself who is light. And by the way, not just mental illumination. He doesn't just give mental light. God is the light. There's so many places in the Bible where we read that just God's presence provides light. Psalm 104 and verse 2. He, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. We find here that the eternal city will enjoy endless light without the help of the sun or the moon. That's from Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5. Remember in the eternal state when we're in heaven? There, the, in, in uh, Revelation 22, it tells us that we don't need the moon and the stars. Why? Because Christ is there. He is the light. And that's more than just intellectual enlightenment. He is the light. And, and we don't need the luminaries anymore because he's the light. And that's probably the light that we're talking about here when in this first day of, of uh, creation. Uh, and then God saw, well, uh, let me read on here. Uh, life as we know it couldn't exist without the light of the sun. That's as we know it now. And Paul saw this, uh, Paul saw 
uh, in this creative act, the work of God, in the new creation and, and the salvation of the lost. For God, the Bible says, for God who commendeth the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face or the presence of Jesus Christ. In him, Jesus is life. And the life was the light of men. And so we have the transformation of the, uh, of the intellectual presence of God to the actual light of God. And, and, and taking then from the creative act of the world into the new creative act of him making us new creatures in Christ. God's the one that gives us the light. He is the light. And uh, so from the very first day of creation, God established the principle of separation. We're going to see this over and over again throughout our study of the first chapter here is the principle of separation. Let me share that with you. Not only did he separate the light from the darkness, the day from the night, and uh, the waters above from the waters beneath, and the land from the waters God commanded the people of Israel to remain separated from the nations that were around them, the heathen nations that were around them. And when they didn't, they suffered great tribulation as a result of those great problems uh, for that. And so God created light, or God uh, brought light into the world on that first day. Let there be light, he says. It's kind of interesting that it doesn't actually say that he creates light. He just said, let there be light. And so this new creation of the universe where he forms something out of nothing, uh, and that's what the Hebrew word to form means, to make something out of nothing, he adds his light to it. He brightens it up. He lights it. And so he called it the day. Uh, he called it day. Uh, verse 5 says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. That brings us to day 2, verses 6 through 8. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let, let it divide the waters from the waters. Divide the waters from the waters, that's interesting. We'll get to that. And God made the firmament and divide the waters which were under the firmament, from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. Now here he's talking about the outer atmosphere where the birds fly. He's not talking about where he lives. But uh, we're talking about the heavens that you and I look out at and, uh, and can see. And so he, he made the firmament, called it heaven, and he says the evening and the morning were the second day. So God put a space between the upper waters and the lower waters, and, uh, and he called that heaven, okay, uh, which is known to us as the sky. It seems that these waters were a vapor blanket. Before the flood, it didn't rain. Uh, when the flood came, that was the first rain that came on the earth. We're told about that later on in the book of Genesis. But, but there's, it seems that there was a, a canopy of water, a mist that hovered over the earth, and that's what watered the earth at that time, a mist from heaven. And so that was the upper waters, 
But there was water down here on the lower plain as well. And so God separated the two waters with heaven, the clouds, the, the, outer, the outer atmosphere, or, the, or, or what we call the sky. That was the second day of creation. And so the term firmament here, uh, or expanse, actually means to beat out. And in the scripture, the sky is sometimes referred to as a dome uh, that, uh, that covers, uh, covers the earth. And that brings us to day three. On day three, dry land. The dry land, verses 9 through 13. Uh, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the, gathering, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and, fruit, and the fruit, uh, fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and and the seed yielding fruit, uh, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And so here's another form. Here's, an, here's another element of form. He said to the waters, there was no earth at this time. It was there, but it was all underwater. So God says, okay, you drops of water, I want you all over here. I want you to make up the Atlantic and the Pacific and the Adriatic and, and the, uh, all the other seas. And so he gathered all the water together and put them in certain places so that the dry, dry ground appeared. And so now we have water. God formed water, the seas, and the dry ground. That's on the third day. So uh, God gathered the water and caused dry ground to appear, making earth and sea. And, uh, you know, Israel's pagan neighbors believed all kinds of myths about heaven and earth and the seas. But Moses made it very clear that Elohim, the one true God, was Lord over all of them. And then so for the second time in this third day of creation, God said, this is good. This is good. That's verses 3 and 10. Two times during the creation of the third day, God said, this is good. And so God's creation is still good. And uh, even though it travails uh, of sin, and we read that in Romans chapter 8, it's been ravaged, it's been exploited by sin, by sinful people, it's still good. We live on the only planet that God actually visited and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, regenerated. We, we keep hearing, you know, well, there might be life on other planets. I don't believe it for a minute. I don't believe it. I don't know. They may find some plant life. Or, I don't know. They haven't found anything yet. And all these, these UFOs that they keep uh, talking about, who knows what they are? Uh, I'm not going there. I'm just going to leave that one alone, okay? So God calls, called plant life. He caused uh, plant life to appear on the earth. The grasses, 
the seed-producing herbs, and the fruit-bearing trees. And God, uh, God decreed that each would produce after his kind, which helps to make possible the order of nature. There's an order to what God does. There's an order to nature. And it didn't all start with some mucky mess billions of years ago. It started about six or 7,000 years ago. That's the estimation of creation. Some six, 7,000 years ago, maybe 8,000, we're not sure. When God said, let it be. When God spoke, something happened, you see. And uh, there's no suggestion of any kind of evolution in uh, Genesis chapter 1. God was preparing the earth for a habitation of humans and for animals and plants. Plants would provide their food. And uh, a second time during that third day of creation, God said his work was good. And so we had God creates, Roman number 2, God forms, and then Roman numeral 3, God fills. And the rest of the chapter tells about God filling the heavens, uh, the earth, and the seas. Um, God has now created a special, uh, a special, uh, three special spaces, the land, the sea, and the expanse of the, of the sky. And then during the next three creative days, he's going to fill those three places. So here we are, day four. The lights. He now creates the luminaries, the lights, beginning at verse 14, 14 through 19. He says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament, in the firmament of the heaven, divide, to divide the day from the night, and, and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. And, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light, uh, to rule the sky, to rule by the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and uh, and then he made stars also. It says, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule the day and the night, and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So what's happened on the fourth day? Into the expanse of the sky, God placed the heavenly bodies and assigned them their work. And that was to divide the day from the night and to provide signs to mark off the days, the years, and the seasons. You see, back in those early days, they didn't have clocks. And uh, when they got to the place where they began to navigate the seas, learned how to do that, you know how they got around? You know how they knew where to go? Well, they developed some instrumentation that could, they could line up the stars and the, the planets and so forth and would tell them which direction they're headed in. And so they used God's creation to tell them where they were going. They were able to navigate by that. And then you'll notice that he says the evening and the morning were the first day, the second day, and so forth and so on. God uses the light and the darkness to tell us when it's nighttime, time to go to bed. And the sun, uh, back before we had alarm clocks to do this terrible thing, to wake us up. And so he set those luminaries in the sky 
as signs for us to direct us in our life, to tell us what season it is. He sent the snow to tell us it's winter. Uh, he also sent the cold to help us with that too, you know. And then during the summer it gets hot, so we know that it's summertime, right? If we didn't have a clock or a counter, we could tell all that stuff by the way it felt and the way it looked. Uh, we, we know that there are certain times of the year that it doesn't get dark until 9 o'clock or later in this area. And, uh, and uh, it gets lighter early in the morning, and so we can tell the seasons. And God gave us those luminaries to help us with that, to understand that God has a purpose in his creation, and, and there's an order to it all, an order to it all. And then uh, on day five, living creatures. He fills, he fills uh, the sky and the waters with living creatures in verses 20 through 23. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures uh, that have life. And fowl um, that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created great whales and uh, the living creatures that moveth, which, uh, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the sea, and let the fowl multiply on the earth. And then it says the evening and the morning, or the fifth day. Why does it say the evening and the morning? We kind of go from morning to evening, don't we? Well, in a Jewish mind, you know, the Jewish day actually begins at sundown. Tonight at sundown is, uh, uh, is Monday in Israel. If you ever may, some of you have been to Israel. And you know, especially on the Sabbath, that everything shuts down uh, at sundown the day before on, on uh, Friday. And... Uh, and then when the, when the sun gets ready to go down on Saturday, everything opens up again. It's still Saturday, but it's, uh, they go from the, uh, from the evening to the morning. We go from the morning to the evening. We just kind of got things backwards. <laughs> and we've been living backwards ever since, many of us. All right, let's see here. Where am I? I lost my place in my notes. The lights. The living creatures. We're in the living creatures. Psalm 104, verses 24 and 25 say this. I didn't read this part. Let me read this. God had created the sky and the waters, and now he fills them abundantly with living creatures. He made birds. I did read this, didn't I? He made birds. To fl when you get my age, you'll do, you'll, you'll do things over again. All right. Uh, put up with me. Uh, Psalm 104, verses 24 and 25 says this. O Lord, how merciful are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. And so is, so is this great and wide sea, wherein, there, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. So God fills the waters. He fills the air. And so there's a, but there's a new element here. Did you notice the word he blessed the creatures that he made? Um, verse 22, and God blessed them. 
He made the living creatures, the great whales, the, uh, the living creatures that moveth in the waters, the, uh, the winged fowl. And then he blessed them, saying, being fruitful and multiply and fill the waters. He, he blessed them to the point where they could recreate. And, and they, could, they could replenish themselves and, and fill uh, the, the sky and the sea for which he had, he had made them. And, uh, and bless them. And, you know, there are many times in the Bible where God blesses. God, God would also bless the first man and the woman, it says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. He blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed Noah and his family. And then after creation, perhaps the most important occasion for God's blessing was when he gave his gracious covenant to Abraham and his descendants in chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He said, bless Blessed be Abraham. And by the way, if you'll check that out, it also says that God will bless them that bless them. God will bless him that blesses them. God says, those who bless my people Israel will be blessed. Doesn't end there. He says, those who curse Israel will be cursed. God help it if as a nation we ever turn our back on Israel. Yeah, I know they've rebelled against God and then they're in a state of rebellion at this point. And uh, they've rejected the Messiah. But you know, someday God's going to turn all that, all that around. In fact, there's going to come a time during the tribulation period when the Bible says all Israel shall be saved. A lot of them will pay with their lives for their salvation during that period of time. But God's not finished with Israel. They're still his chosen people. And God says, I will bless them that bless you. Don't ever get the intention in your mind that you're going to turn against Israel. Because if you do, you're turning against God and you're invoking the wrath of God upon yourself. The same thing is true with us as a nation. If we ever allow those who are anti-Semites to take charge uh, of our policy with Israel. We're in bad, bad shape. Well, let's move on. That brings us to the last day of creation, day six. And here he creates man. In uh, verse uh, 24, through the end of the chapter, we'll read this. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle, creeping thing, uh, beast of the earth after his kind, and so it was. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, the cattle after his kind, and every living creature upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now let's just pause here on verse 27 and go over to chapter 2 and look at verse 7. And, uh, and God adds something here to what he says in verse 27 of chapter 1. In verse 7, chapter 2, he says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now back to verse 28 in chapter 1. And God blessed them. There it is again. 
And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every seed in, in the which, it is, uh, in which uh, is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. In other words, you can eat that. God says, I, I created man, but I'm going to make provision for man too. I'm going to give you something to eat. And uh, boy, do we need that. Some of us need it less than some of the other people do, but uh, some of us get our portion in more. Don't you say anything, okay? But anyway, God says, I'll give it to you for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. Um, by the way, before the flood, there's every indication that everybody was a vegetarian. It's not until after the, uh, the flood that we hear of God allowing men to eat meat. And, uh, and, and by the way, uh, during the millennium, there's an indication that at least the animal creatures are going to go back to being vegetarians. There's a verse of scripture, and I'll, I'll, I don't know what the reference is right now, but I got it in my notes here a little bit later. But to every beast on the earth, and to every fowl, verse 30, of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. After the six days of creation, after he created the, the three areas, and then filled those areas, he looked at all of his creation and said, that's very good. Now each one of them, and each one of them he said, he, he saw that it was good. But when he overlooked the whole thing, he said, boy, that's, that's great. You know, I've done that, some things that I've created. I've, uh, I used to do a lot of woodwork. And I've made some things, and I've stood back and looked, and I said, hmm, man, that's pretty good. Brag on myself a little bit, you know. But nothing I've ever made is, is anywhere near as good as what God made. And God looked at his creation and said, wow. That's very good. That's very good. And so all of God's creation is something that we can glory in. That God is marvelous and, and his, mag his, 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 his majesty just comes through all of it. And we too can say, that's very good. God did a wonderful work. And, and indeed he did. And then the last part of verse 31 says, the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so here it is on this last day he made man. So he formed the sky he filled it with heavenly luminaries and flying things. He formed the sea and he filled the waters with various aquatic creatures um, and then creation reaches its climax now within on the sixth day he fills the land with animals and with the created and created the first man who with his wife, 
would have dominion over all of God's creation. Think of that for a moment. He gave us, in the original intention of God's created plan, He gave us dominion over His creation. He said, I want you to, I want you to take care of it for me. What did we do? We failed him, didn't we? We failed him. And you know, the truth is that we fail God so many times. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to God and say, God, I fell short of your glory. Would you forgive me? And, um, and, and that's the way creatures are. God didn't make us perfect. He made us with a choice, with the ability to choose to make choices, and sometimes the choices we make are not what he desires. And we just have to go to God and say, God, I, I messed it up, and I'm sorry. Well, we've got three minutes left, and so I want us to finish out here this morning with something else. Um, and that is um, three things. Um, well, let me just say this. Um, uh, before I do that, um, the word formed here, it says, and the, Lord, and the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in him. That's in chapter 2, verse 7. The word formed there suggests, suggests a potter who is making a work of art in his skilled hands. And you know, when you examine our bodies, and a, and a doctor would know this better than probably we do, we are fearfully and wondrously made. And no, there's no evolutionary process that could put together our bodies. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, God created them wonderfully. And then Adam, the, the name Adam, uh, the physical matter of Adam's body came from the ground. Uh, but his life came from God. God formed his body, but that old body didn't have any life until God says, until God breathed into him the breath of life. And every one of us are like that, and someday, sometimes God's going to take that breath out and uh, our spirit, take it home with him, give it another body. And, uh, and these old bodies will probably lay in a casket up here. Somebody will say a few words over us, hopefully good words, uh, without, li without lying. I contend that there have been more lies told at funerals than any other place on earth. Uh, but that old body was just a house that God gave us to live in for a little while, and, and now he's taken us home to live forever with him. Isn't that a wonderful thought? But anyway, now I'm, now I'm at 12 o'clock. That's not fair. All right, I'm going to do this fast. All right, are you ready? Fill in the blanks. There are four important facts that we must note about the origin of humans. The first one is this. We are created by God. Genesis 1.26. Number two, you'll have to fill, you'll have to fill in the, uh, the substance stuff under these... Uh, under these four points, because I'm going to skip over all of that. It was good stuff here. But uh, number two, we are created in God's image. God gave us personality. 
that is minds to think with. He gave us emotions to feel with. He gave us wills to make decisions, but he, he put in us a spiritual nature that enables us to worship him. We're created in his image. I'd like to park on that for a little while, but I can't. Number three, we were created to have dominion over the earth. Oh, by the way, the references there on these points is chapter one instead of chapter two, so correct that. Your handout is wrong with the references. It's chapter one. Uh, for example, on, on uh, number two is one twenty-six through 27. Number two, it's one's 26 and 28 and so forth. And then finally, number four, God created, God, God uh, for our creator deserves our worship, our praise, and obedience. God saw that what he created was very good. And we read in the last book of the Bible this. The heavenly creatures, creatures before God's throne praised him for his creation and said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were, they are, and were created. That's Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. And then on the screen, put up the next slide. On the screen we have a wonderful verse that Isaac Watts wrote, and you can read that for yourself. It's a wonderful thing. Describes what God has done for us in creation. And then in Psalm 145, in verse 9, it says this. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Now, I'm going to put that next slide up. And, uh, and if, you, uh, if you want to jot down my email address and send me your email address, I would appreciate that. Father, thank you so much for creating us for making us who we are and what we are. And God, uh, we've messed things up and we're not much now. You made us perfect, but our father, our forefather, Adam, ruined it for us. But Lord, you've recreated us through the regeneration process. You've made us new creatures in Christ. And someday, God, that image that we have marred, that you made us in, you're going to make it perfect again. And we rejoice in that. I pray, God, that you will help us to live our lives worthy of being called Christians, of being called the children of God. We pray all this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.